Hey, good morning, Nashville. This is the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC, where we talk all things real estate. Joining me in studio today, we have the wonderful and beautiful Andrew Brewer. Well, th- oh, I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say David. <laughs> good morning. The I'm the only girl. That's why they're saying all that. And they're like, whatever. The very GQ studious look. Ah, the polished head look? Yes. Is that what we're talking about? And now like the look, wonderful yeah. and beautiful David Lukey. And there you go. Capital Holmes. <laughs> And, of course, Jimmy behind the glass. You know, JT. people really what? ought to go to. What's your uh, website again or your Facebook page? And East Nashville Agent. <laughs> I about said Andra Brewer. East Nashville Agent on Facebook, right? Or, yeah. Or, and, and check it out because she, she is a very attractive young lady. Have you tried to secure East Nasty Agent? No. Uh, <laughs> that's like a thing, it, you know. I, like I see it. those stickers that's on the cars. That's true, but if you do Google East Nashville Realtor, I pop up on the first page. I, I, like I'm not sure one. what would pop up at East Nasty. That say. might be a little... Uh, <laughs> I'm a little curious, though. <laughs> yeah. I have my phone handy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't do that on a company computer. I don't need that tied to me. <laughs> I'm trying to get away from that, Jimmy. Uh, okay. <laughs> a little reform. Uh, <laughs> wow. This early in the morning, already going down the, oh. <laughs> off into the weeds one way or the other. <laughs> well, we've got a great show packed today because we're going to get into several different details with uh, the market. Uh, I believe David has a uh, maintenance tip for later in the show. And then Miss Andrew, she's just so, I mean, you want it sold? Call Andrew. That's right. She's houseless. She's homeless. Because why? She sells them. Got them all sold. Moving. Nothing to talk about. Write them up, out the door, gone. Jimmy, you want to buy a house? Uh, not right now. I'm still saving. One of these times we're going to get you. You're going to hey, say yes. Jimmy, what what are you looking to save as your down payment? Because I'm curious. Uh, you're sitting down? Yes. Uh, I'm looking for about um, probably 50% down. You're looking to put 50% down? Yeah. Why 50? Now, keep it, well, because I don't like a big payment, and I work in a volatile business, and uh, I don't want to uh, be at a point where I can't pay my mortgage. So if I can put half down, then I can get a ridiculously low payment and find any job, you know, waiting tables and pay my mortgage. Wow. Okay. I know, it's a crazy concept. (laughs) I'm like, oh, well. well. and, and, And you know, Jimmy, you know that I... Am more conservative in terms of the advice that I give I than, than most people. <laughs> you are okay? for David to be quiet. There was like and fifty uh, percent. Uh, I mean, I, I, here's the thing that I, I fear for you, if I may, mm-hmm. if I'm going to offer this piece of advice, is that in the process of waiting to save that fifty percent down, the house is going to double in value, and then you'll still be back where you started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in normal circumstances, I would agree with that. Okay. Mine is not normal circumstances. You've, you've got uh, a stream of income that's in, in, irregular and is uh, exceptionally large right now? Um, not the stream of income, no, but the savings is, is fairly large, yes. Got it. Okay. So you're not far from your 50% then? No. Ooh, go Jimmy. Well, well, rock depends on. on how much he wants to spend. That's true. I mean, you're, you're, you have a valid point. The, rate, the you know the house and market's still going to continue to climb. So mm-hmm. at some point, you do have to you know pull the trigger for sure. Do you have more than twenty percent at this point? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm probably looking at probably. Well, like I said, it's relevant to what I end up paying, but uh, probably at thirty, thirty-five. What I'm looking to to spend. Okay, so so you're going to try to save another fifteen percent. Mm-hmm. I, I would encourage you to just take a pen and pencil and and do the math. 
And if next year is going to go up 10%, which is what last year did, and I don't, I don't like to pretend that next year also translates into 2018, because I doubt that it does, but 2017 goes up 10%, you might find that you don't save 10% to put down. You might you might be better off finding something faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to be chasing your. And I, I, you know, I, Jimmy, I'm not going to put you on the spot no. by asking you specifics about mm-hmm. your situation, but let's say that the, let's say that the price range that you're looking at is around 200, which is kind of a normal price range around here. Mm-hmm. It's about saving thirty thousand dollars more. I'm, you know, that, that's a that's a big chunk, and you, the house may the house that you could buy for 200 a day may very well be 220 tomorrow. Right. And that thirty thousand dollars that you saved up, you may go backwards. Mm-hmm. Anyway, definitely a possibility. Twenty percent is a great thing to put down. I do know yeah. that, and I, I think that's fantastic. You should be applauded for saving up that kind of money. Yeah, it gives you yeah. tons of options. Yeah, tons and I figure, well, you know, worst case scenario, if I decide, hey, I'm not going to buy one, mm-hmm. then I've got a whole stack of cash. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I do something with it. I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's a lot not... of people. A lot of people look at money. It's like, oh, I can buy this and I can buy that. I've never looked at it that way. I always look at money as security. Yeah, that's true. It's that. like I don't have to jump to make a bad decision. I can weigh it out and look at all my options and then decide what I need to do. I need a fund. I agree. I agree. I, one thing I will add to this, uh, and Andrew can answer this as well. I understand what you're saying. If the market, if you lose your job, and the market goes down, well, we just came out of literally, and I'm not using that word figuratively, like people like to use the word literally figuratively. I don't know why they do that, but literally the worst housing market. In a th- yeah. in a hundred years, true or more. Yeah, we're going to touch on that some more later. And it yeah. went down about twenty percent here in Nashville. It did go down fifty percent in other marketplaces. Mm-hmm. It did. But if the market goes down, and you lose your job. Do you think if you discounted a house twenty percent in Nashville, it would sell relatively quickly? And I think the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, you make a great point. I tell you, I told my kid brother a long time ago, Jimmy, that if he can't put half down on a car, he shouldn't buy it. Right. Because if you if you on a car, you know, on a car is a depreciating asset. But if you put half down on the car, and you lose your job or you, something really bad happens, you can liquidate the car tomorrow. You can run down to um, what's the name of that place uh, right on uh, 65. Carmax. Uh, Carmax. Mm-hmm. And you could li- liquidate the car for more than you owe on it. Right. Overnight. I mean, boom, it's done. Thirty minutes. And so. You know, 35% down on a house, Jimmy, you could probably do the same thing if you found yourself in a bond and you had to sell your house. Just, But, again, I know that you went through an exceptionally <laughs> yeah. tough road, and, and I certainly get that we we're always fighting the last war, and, and, yes. you're, and you're dealing with the last battle. And Yeah, that is true, because the housing market here is much stronger than what I was dealing with in South Georgia. So Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You definitely have an exception to the rule, but I, I like what David's saying, because, I mean, that's so true. And I've jotted some notes down because, you know, we might run some charts on that for next mm-hmm. week and just really paint that picture because it's hard for people to grasp it just talking about it. But then you show them the black and white numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with the stats that we have of the marking or the market um, here in Nashville and yeah. nationwide. But but I don't really change my thought process. No. So if you can't save the 5 percent to put down, you're in over your head yeah. and stop. You, just stop. You've been steady with that from day one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree, you know? too. Yeah, it's just a smarter way to do it. I mean, it's just there's so many things that come up for everybody. Yeah, we've got to jump out to a break real quick. This first segment flew by fast, but when we come back, we're going to talk about percentage of home ownerships, uh, home home ownership by decade and by state, why home buying can be scary, and taking the fear out of the mortgage process. When we get back, uh, you've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. 
Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things real estate and little games over here. Why are you over there shaking your head? I'm dancing to the beat. Ooh, little sassy. She likes too. her Stevie. Yeah. Hey, but what I said before the break, we were going to jump out and talk about uh, percentage of home ownership by decade and by state. Buying a home, why it can be so scary, and then taking the fear out of the mortgage process. And uh, I mean, those, you know, I mean, if you, these next three segments, you definitely don't want to miss. I can tell you that right now. And then um, we also want to get into David's uh, maintenance tip yes. of the week. Yes. And what would that be this week, Mr. David? Well, and as always, you can go to capitalhomeideas.com to get more information about this tip of the week and capital homes in general, or you can go to our Facebook page, Capital Homes Inc. We're pretty easy to find about this tip of the week. But the thing that I caution people about all the time is this time of year, as things are cooling off, and it's been nice and cool. Yeah. Is people. Well, Well, it's it's getting there. Let me phrase it. It hasn't been cold. It's been nice and cooler than. Well, it hadn't been summer in 95, but it's been 85. It's been warmer than unusual (laughs) for this time of year. Yes, that's true. My pumpkin already rotted. I would like to point out. <laughs> Sorry, rotted. I carved the pumpkin, and like two days later, it was rotten. It's oh, like you right. got a bad pumpkin. All right, so here, so here's what I mean, Andra. As long as you are correcting me about how unseasonably warm it is, it, it is cool enough that people are forgetting that it hasn't rained in two weeks. Yes. I mean, it's barely drizzled in three weeks. And right. so, just because it's cooler than it was in August and September, okay. people think, well, I don't have to water my grass. And just because the trees are changing color, they think, well, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to water my grass anymore. I'm done watering my grass, even though it hasn't rained in substantially of any amount for three weeks. For sure. And if you want your grass to be absolutely dead in the spring or nothing but weeds in the spring, don't water your grass. But if you want your grass to look great in the spring... Water, you need it. water it right now. Now, you know, you really what about flowers? Yeah, flowers. I mean, you, uh, it, this is a tough time of year for flowers. I mean, it really is. I, when you said it hasn't rained in three weeks and nobody's noticed, I thought, oh, God, I haven't watered my flowers. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the question is, though, did you water your pumpkin? No, no, I did not. Well, see, that's why it went rotten. <laughs> it went rotten because it's 85 degrees outside. <laughs> <laughs> My pumpkin rotted. It barely made it past Halloween, and it's dead. Right? No kidding, man. I'm surprised your pumpkin survived Halloween. I know. I'm mm-hmm. telling you. Man, you must have good kids. But normally, in you could carve a pumpkin, and it would last Absolutely. you a good, yeah. you know, almost four to Thanksgiving days, yeah. at least, or longer. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I carved no, it, and like, the it's next been... day, it's, like, rotten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the caved in. I was like, yeah. Imploded. <laughs> Didn't freeze once, I know. That's <laughs> no, crazy. not even close. Not even close. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh-oh. Anyway, water your grass, for crying out loud, people. Yes. Water your grass. If you want to have a good lawn next year, water it this year. And if you miss David's website addresses, you can go out to the moneymanmike.net or even to the Facebook page at Money Man Mike Radio and look everybody up. Find David, find Andrea, and anybody else that's ever appeared on the show. See, I, I want to change it around. I want people to go to my website to find you. Yeah, you got a link. Because I got a too. link to you. You know, yeah. you can find capitalhomeideas.com. They can find you. You're reciprocating, man. I love it. I have a link to you. At eastnashvilleagent.com. You know, we don't have links to each other, though. That's not right. No, we need to link up. What's up? Fix that. 
You know, <laughs> not to be confused with LinkedIn, which I hate. I'm just gonna pull, go ahead and throw that out there. I hate it. You could get East, eastnasty.com and forward it to your actual. I could. Brewer. I probably could. I bet it's available. I, I have a feeling that's not available. <laughs> Maybe East Nasty Jimmy, agent. Or something. Look up that domain. Oh, we better get back on track. All right. All right. Percentage of home ownership by decade and by state. Oh man. Now Pe- peaked in 2008, didn't it? Uh, 2004. 2004. Yeah, home ownership okay. in 2004 all-time high was 69.4 percent, which was wow. about two percent higher than it ever should be. But that was also <laughs> when everyone, do you have a driver's license and a hundred dollars? I can sell you a home. Yes, that is exactly where I want to go with this because <laughs> if you go back, and this isn't going to get into political rants or anything like that, but during uh, Bill, that's Clinton's, during the week on this network. Yeah, not, they can not, they can talk us. about yes. that. Bill Clinton during his administration. Um, Pretty much gave executive orders to increase home ownership. I mean, yeah. you can Google it, you can research it; it's out there, it's factual. And stuff came through Congress down to the agencies, of basically the agencies being Fannie, Freddie, FHA, all those, to where you need to increase home ownership. Mm-hmm. The only way you can increase home ownership is loosen the guidelines. Right. So at that point, all the loan programs that you heard, all the horror stories about, became available. All these cool, creative ways to make home ownership work. If you had a driver's license, even if you were one step in the grave, it did not matter. You got a home. And you can see it on this chart um, that everything's been pulled together and, and shaped out. Just It just starts this cycle up. And consistently, historically, we're always there in the low 60s. And then it jumps up to 67 for both uh, 2000 and then it set up to 2010. But now, today... It's on its way down, and it's currently 62.9%. Yeah. Much healthier range. Oh, heck yeah. So, I mean, that's a seven-point swing, essentially, in the peak to where it is now. And you have very, I wouldn't say, they're much more conservative guidelines than they were mm-hmm. during the, the crisis. But yet, they're nowhere close to the chaos and the craziness of, hey, state your income, state your asset. Oh, yeah, go ahead and state your this and state that and just sign here. And there's, you know, there are so many wonderful things that come with home ownership. It was well intended. And, and people have a tendency to put a lot on President Clinton about it. And I get that. And he certainly, certainly did everything that you said. Mm-hmm. He wasn't alone, though. No. You know, re- Republicans like all the things that come out of home ownership. Mm-hmm. One of the things, I can't remember the exact numbers. Um, I know that uh, Tennessee Association of Realtors and National Association of Realtors has this data that you can look it up. But the the probability of your children going to college is like four times as high if you own a home as opposed to renters. The, the wealth creation that you have from oh, people yeah. who own a home is astronomical compared mm-hmm. to people who rent. And a lot of that's socioeconomic. You know, people who who rent usually don't make as much money, and a lot of it's that. But I think people got really. I know that I did. I mean, I'm not gonna kid you. In, in the '90s and the early 2000s, I was one of those people preaching that that sermon. You know, hey, you want to change your family outcome? Mm-hmm. The easiest and simplest thing you could do is buy a home. Right. And it's true. It is true. And that's it, it, kind of a hard stop. It is true. 
but they did make it too hard, easy for people to get loans and yeah. and good intent, but just yeah. went a little bit too far. Well, the other thing too that that it was a great few years though. Yeah, it was. <laughs> if good. you're in the business, yeah. and yeah. then it was a rough few years after that. <laughs> it was that real sugar buzz. Yes, <laughs> coming out of Halloween, I think we can all relate to that sugar buzz, and then the crash that comes with it. Oh right. my God! Boom. You know the other thing that doesn't get talked about a lot, but I have heard some economic uh, some economists talk about it too is also the other thing that happened during the Clinton administration was we balanced the budget. And yes. we went to a surplus. Yes. And so you may have more insight into this than most people, Michael, but there were a group of investors with big money, you know, pension funds and, and things of that nature, you know, uh, big money maker, I mean, uh, market makers, who had lots of money that they normally would buy T-bills and bonds with, they're looking for that highly secured AAA yep. plus yep. rated bond, yep. and they bought mortgage-backed securities because at the time they thought that was it, and the money f- absolutely flooded that marketplace. I mean, there was more money; they were awash in money to invest. And when you have the money, you either invest it or you look like the one guy who's not doing his job. Yeah, you're sitting there with all the money, not doing anything, and all with all the money coming in because we balanced the budget. And so it's a weird conundrum because, I, hey, I'm a conservative guy. I want us to balance our federal budget, but no one has answered the question yet. What will investors do when that happens? Right? Because I don't think they're going to run back to mortgage-backed securities. No, not like they did last time. So well, yeah, we, maybe you can't predict the future, but still, it's. So what's the bubble that gets created? It's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. No one I've ever heard anybody talk about the answer to that. I hope hopefully somebody will send me a Facebook message and tell me what the answer to that question is because I don't know what it is. That's a deep, deep question to really think about. But at the same time, it's looking into a crystal ball and predicting yeah. the future. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. But anyway, home ownerships are at a normalized rate at sixty-two yeah. percent, which does bode well for you know, is housing going to be the next bubble? No, doesn't look no, like it. Absolutely not. And to tie the mortgage bonds back into this conversation to find that better, that's where rates come from. It, yeah. As your stocks and everything are traded on Wall Street, the bonds are traded, and that creates what you see in interest rates on a day to day basis. So it's a very, very critical component to the home buying process. So we'll bring it back to the street when we come back. Absolutely. You listen right. to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Yes. <laughs> She's just over there looking all innocent and quiet this morning. And Jimmy comes on our earphones. You guys couldn't hear it out on Radio Land, but you're hot. Oh, my God. All they got to do is check you out on yeah. Facebook and they'll know. Okay. We ain't lying. Money Man Mike Radio on Facebook or the newly acquired domain name of East Nasty, which goes forwarded to. <laughs> I'll have to Andrew go buy Bird. that now. <laughs> Full disclosure, he's lying. Do yes, that. Don't do that. Don't Google that at, at work, okay? Don't get in trouble with your boss. <laughs> Next week, maybe, but not this week. Hey, welcome back to the Money Man Mike show here on News Radio 1510. And we're talking about how the bonds and Wall Street and all that stuff kind of, not kind of, but actually does drive the interest rates and so forth. And you, you want to talk about rates. I mean, you can easily go back to the performance on Wall Street and everything else and look at it historically over decades. And we've touched on this in a previous show, but I thought it was important to bring it back to now. Um, back in the 70s, the average rate was 8.86. Wow. And 80s was 12.7%. Wait, what are you talking about? Interest rates? Interest rates, okay. yeah. yeah. 
90s, 8.2, 2006.29, and just recently around three and a half. So I want to jump back to something that you were talking about a minute ago before we left on the break. You yeah. were talking about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and all those guys. Yep. Okay. So for those that don't know, there is a uh, a government insured program called FHA. Federal Housing right? Association. Fantastic. And that's that's a government insured program. People kind of sometimes conflate that and say it's a government run program. Government doesn't actually provide the funds. It's just insured by right. the government. Okay. And there's some benefits to those. Let's tick those off real quick. What are some of the major benefits of an FHA loan? The way I like to describe an FHA loan is if you have ever been to a game place and you played the skee ball or you throw darts, archery, everybody's familiar with the bullseye. Mm -hmm. A conventional loan is the red center. Got it. Everything, those additional rings, two, three, four, rings out, that's FHA. So if you cannot hit that very, very small target bullseye for conventional, FHA fills in a gap for everything else. What's a down payment requirement for FHA? Uh, 3.5%, which can can be gifted or... So you can get that from a family member? Yep. Okay. You can't get it from a friend anymore, correct? There's extenuating circumstances to explain the relationship with the friend, because we have literally had times where, hey, this is a long-standing friend, but yet they're extended family, and it's been acceptable. There's such things, special friends. Special friends. Got it. Got it. But in general, (laughs) it's got to be a family member. They generally want to see you. Okay. The reason I say that, there used to be a time where you could get it from a nonprofit organization, and they've disallowed that. That's not even allowed anymore. Okay. On a conventional loan, what's the minimum down payment, generally speaking? You can do either three or five percent, which okay. at the same time those can be gifted now as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's new. So you can get a gift from a family member only, or family or friends. Same scenario. So, okay, same scenario on a conventional loan. Okay. Same rules. And you can do three with not three and a half on conventional. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Well, wow. the 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 cool thing about three three percent is the rate is a little bit cheaper. But the MI is a little bit higher. Gotcha. So it's a real balance of when you have somebody it's a 720 score, it just depends on how their whole profile looks like if they look more, if they're going to get a lower payment with FHA or they're going to get a lower payment with conventional. But then you're also looking at the overall lower cost of the loan, too. Now, I think you need to give a quick synopsis of what MI mortgage insurance is on these loans. My personal opinion is it's a waste of money. Right, but to explain why people have them in their payment is what I mean. Because you're paying for an insurance policy to your lender in case you default on your loan. Right. I mean, it's it's a total waste of money, but yet it's a necessary evil. Well, I try to explain it to my people as, you know, you're borrowing this huge amount of money, and for them to give it to you, they're taking a little secondary insurance policy to ensure that they get their money back. Now, I have a it, question. Yeah. Why don't the, uh, the people loaning the money pay the premium? Why the buyers are paying for it? I know the buyers are paying for it, but I'm just saying there it's it's the risk for the lender, right? It's it's the risk for the lender, but the lender is also taking on a risk from the buyer. Yeah, so the so buyer's saying, for "Well, it. I'll loan you two hundred thousand dollars when You're you only have policy. ten oh, to put I, down." I get how it works. I'm just wondering <laughs> if they're the ones concerned about losing the money. Why wouldn't they pay for the insurance policy? Here's the crazy thing: MI only guarantees up to eighty percent of the loan balance. So if you have an eighty-five percent loan, ninety percent, ninety-five, whatever it is. MI only covers you up to eighty percent. Is so that is that why they they drop PMI if you get to twenty percent on yeah. your value? Mm-hmm. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. So you and I have a client that we're working with right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who? And there's a certain logic to this. He had more than the minimum down payment. Yep. 
But he decided he made he wanted to make a conscious decision to keep that money in his own bank account, mm-hmm. put as little down as possible, save the money for reserve, rainy day, things right, of that right. nature. And I understand the logic behind that. And he was looking at an FHA loan. Yep. And then he decided, you know, hey, how much if I what what must my payment drop down to if I put this much down? Yep. Can you refresh my memory what that was? Because he, he, you ended up talking to him about a conventional loan instead of an FHA loan because he got rid of the EMI. Correct. But he didn't have 20% down either. So no. what, was that, what was the deal with that? that? That, again, goes into looking and understanding the programs and more of an advisory role where when he was only putting 3.5% down, he was more conscious about the payment. So when we were focusing on payment, FHA was the better scenario, even though he was paying the FHA EMI. Now, then when he went from 3.5% to I think he went to 15% or something mm-hmm. like that, then all of a sudden, with without getting too far in the weeds here, conventional, I think we've said before, conventional has pricing adjustments from 740 down to 720 and then again from 720 down to 700 and every 20-point mm-hmm. increment. Not only of does your, your credit score. Of your credit score. Uh, not only does your rate get a little bit more high, a little bit more expensive, the MI rates get a little bit more expensive. So you're getting hit twice. Got it. FHA really doesn't have any of that. So Got it. it stays stable and, and steady. But then when you start putting more money down, you're decreasing those adjustments on conventional. So we looked at his loan as a conventional, looked at it with regular MI, and then looked at it with the single MI. And single mm-hmm. MI is where you can basically do a one-time fee at closing. You buy out of the MI entirely for the life of the loan, and it's just a matter of figuring out, all right, will you be in the house for the amount of time it takes to break even, which is typically around four years, which most mm-hmm. people are. And then uh, from there, it's just your MI goes away, and his payment dropped, I think, 250 bucks mm-hmm. or something like that because we not only dropped his MI. Actually, it was 350 bucks. We dropped his MI, and then um, – he was able to take advantages of the 50% down. Because, and the reason that I bring this up is he was asking me, he says, hey, what if I put down another you know, 10%? So he goes from 3% to 15%, 12% is when he would put down. I did just kind of a quick ballpark. Well, it's going to drop your payment this much. Is that what you want to do? And he's like, well, no, I need to drop even more than that. I said, look, I'm not the loan guy. Right. Talk to the ex- expert. Talk to Michael Thayer. Let him run it. He may have a better feel for you. But I know it's going to be at least this much of a drop. And then he called me back, and he goes, David, it dropped twice what you thought. I'm like, oh, that's why I said call the expert. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's good news. Call your lender. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's get a little personal if we can. Okay. Uh, my, my kid brother bought a house. He timed it perfectly. Oh, he bought it in 2010. He literally got the best comp and that's again literally literally got the best comp in his neighborhood in the previous 5 years. I mean, he had the best. He bought the bottom. He bought he was the guy at the bottom. <laughs> Boom. That's where you want to be in that market. <laughs> so now his house is appreciated tremendously. Now he bought an FHA, he did it with an FHA loan. Yep. Okay. And so, you know, he's like, "Oh, I can't get rid of my MI." I was like, "Refinance." Mm-hmm. Because rates are a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Plus and you correct me if I'm wrong. If he refinances, he's going to get a new appraisal. So yep. his house went from, you know, it, it's gone up 30 percent in value. And so if he does do that, he's going to get a new appraisal, and he's not going to have MI. Is that correct or is that incorrect? Yeah, I mean that that's part of the the conversation that goes into determining whether we do single MI or not, even on the purchase. Because once yeah. we do receive the appraisal, you have to go off on a purchase the lesser of the two 
figures as far as your appraisal price or your listing or your sales price. And if you buy a house that has like 10, 15, 20 grand in equity in it already, then that changes our view on doing single MI versus just paying the the regular monthly MI. Same thing with a refi. Now you're getting an updated appraisal. Now your loan to value is dropping because you owe a whole lot less than what you initially borrowed, and the house is worth a whole lot more than what you purchased it at. Yeah. So it works out to drop your MI entirely. I'm going to talk him into letting us do the numbers on the air because I have a feeling he, I think he's going to go from a 30-year to a 15-year with a lower payment. We'll come back to that in a second because we've done that for several clients. Yeah. we got to jump out to the break. Jimmy's over here beating us in our headphones. Been listening to the Money Man Mike show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things real estate. <clears throat> Excuse me. Before the break, we were talking about um, mortgage insurance and FHA and conventionals and so forth. And Jimmy had brought up a question about um, what, what what exactly was that question you asked? Well, the oh. home I own in Georgia, in Macon, which is 70 miles south of Atlanta, it, it, the housing market never recovered from the 08-09 recession. So right. the, the housing market plummeted. I lost about a third of the value of my home. However, early on, uh, after about the fifth year, I, they took PMI off because I guess I'd hit that uh, 20% um, rule. Rule, exactly. Uh, then my question to you being a lender is, how come they didn't come back and put PMI back on me? You had a conventional loan, right? Yes. Uh, if you go back in your loan documents, there's a form that states when your loan reaches 78% of its amortization schedule, which is the uh, an amortization schedule is the golden rule to me. It's the Bible in lending because if someone says, hey, they're going to save you X number of dollars when you're comparing one loan to another or you want to see the true cost of a loan, you look at that because it shows exactly where your payment goes every single penny, every single month. And when you take out that loan – you have an amortization schedule that goes all the way to your very last payment, 360 days from when you sign your note if you're taking out a 30-year. So in your case, there's a document that states once you pay it down to 78% of the original purchase price, okay. the MI will drop off by so, at least a loss. So I'm going to ask some questions that I know the answers to, but I think because we've gotten a little technical in terms of this stuff. Jimmy, what you said is you, you bought your house mm-hmm. and you put whatever down that you put down. Right. Okay. You didn't refinance. Nope. The values just kept the value of your house just kept dropping. Correct. But during that process, you were also making your payments, so what you owed kept dropping as well. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you got down to where you paid a total of twenty percent into what you originally purchased the house for. Correct. Okay. And then what we were talking about before the break was the opposite scenario where someone's bought their house, they are paying their loan down. Yep. But the house is also going up in value. Correct. And so if they waited, that person who bought that house where the house is going up in value and they're paying the loan down, they can also do the same thing where they lose the MI because they get down to 80 LTV. If they just keep making the payments over time, it's going to fall off. Yep. But in my, in my brother's situation, for example, now that the house is appreciated more than 20%, he can get a new appraisal and refinance and get rid of his MI early. Mm-hmm. And and let's also clarify something, too. And Michael, you can correct me if I'm wrong. On an FHA loan, the mortgage insurance never goes away. That's a recent change. It does not go away ever. 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 No matter how much you pay down. Whereas a ever. conventional loan, it still does go away once you've paid into 
the loan, 80%, 20% of what you paid for it. 78% of the 78%, original. 78% so, of what you paid for it. If you get a FHA loan and you're tied to mortgage yeah. insurance forever, you just eventually refinance to get rid of it? That's pretty much our advice, and that's why I said initially when we're talking about the FHA and conventional, the cost comparison, if you're a payment buyer, if you're just focused on payment, then FHA in some scenarios is better, even though it's a higher cost loan. And that's why I always say there's so many times people go rate shopping, and that's the worst thing to do because if you're looking for that cheapest rate, you're always going to find it on an FHA loan because it's historically always point three seven five. But the, the overall life of the loan is going to cost you more. It's going to cost you way more. Now, let me ask you this random question. Yep. Is the mortgage insurance premium, the amount you pay, the same conventional in FHA? No. Okay. FHA is set, and that goes back to those loan level adjustments between the credit score of 720, so forth. FHA is set. Okay, gotcha. I, I think I understood what you're saying, but I want to make sure our viewers, um, our listeners understood what you're saying. <laughs> Sorry, our viewers. Our it's listeners. A, we're in a live audience, our, didn't y'all know? Absolutely. <laughs> Cue the little ha ha ha. Jimmy, where was that at, man? Oh, he's in there asleep, man. What are you doing? What? Huh? <laughs> on, on, on a conventional loan, the mortgage insurance premium is scaled to your credit and to your your income and so forth. Yep. Whereas on an FHA loan, it's always the same. You could take somebody with a 620 score yeah. and compare it to the same price that, I mean, the same rate they're going to get an MI on a 620 score up to an 850 score, and it's the same payment. Yeah. It's, Whereas conventional, yeah. it'll give you this great pricing at the 820 or 850, but it's eventually going to say, you got no snowball chance and you know what with yeah. a 620 going conventional. Yeah. So so that's something that's important. If The better you are at your both your credit history and your down payment and your income ratios, the more likely a conventional loan is a better deal for you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we, when we do pre-approvals, we always ask people to do the online application because one, we can take that, it gives us permission to pull credit, but then two, we can take it and actually run it into the automated underwriting systems and see exactly what the approvals are going to give us. And then at that point, we can price it out more effectively and give you a specific number. Whereas I can take your credit, I mean, I can take your social, I can pull your credit and say, okay, here it is. But if I haven't ran your approval, I haven't looked at your income docs, you're technically not income approved, asset approved, credit approved. You're just. So go to capitalhomeideas.com, look for the Waterstone Mortgage link, and do the online application that Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Or just go to moneymanmike.com. No, I did not suggest that at all. <laughs> Remember, we're doing this reciprocating. Okay, Send me. Gotcha. Where, where, where did you hear me say that? <laughs> okay, Mike, I've got a scenario for you. Yeah. Okay, take take the house I had that I you know, bought, and then, of course, the value went way down. And let's just say that I'm like, hey, the rates went down, too. I want to refinance. Mm-hmm. However, because the value went down, if I get another um, appraisal, my uh, value is going to be down, then PMI is going to come back, right? Don't quote me on the date, <laughs> but right. um, there is um, – and the name of the programs, Fannie Mae has one, and so does Freddie Mac – but um, um, basically, we would go as Waterstone. We would go up to, I think, two hundred percent of the appraised value. So in your case, you could have refinanced if you met the guidelines under Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, and that's basically as long as your loan was taken out by X date and everything else checked out, you would still be able to take advantages of the lower rates. So that's, what that's I, that relief act, right? Yeah. Okay, well, what about a new appraisal for a home I already own? Yeah, it would, it would take a 200, it would, it would 
to be 200% of the appraised value. Okay. But, but the question is, what he loses MI, and the answer is probably not. You probably have to keep paying the MI. MI would stay. That's yeah. one but, of the guidelines. But yeah. I mean, like if the MI went away, it would probably come back. Probably. The guideline, though, because um, you have to reissue the same MI, but yet if your MI would have already dropped, then oh, really? he might have been in a, a very good spot. Yeah, that's that's interesting. But that's I've also, never heard that scenario. I would deep. be in a very good spot with that home. <laughs> <laughs> but such is You life. were the first day you bought it, man. That's true. I didn't lose money until I sold it. And the day you sold it, you were happy even though you weren't in a good spot. That's true. Good point. You weren't paying any more grass mowing or trash pickup and whatever else you were I wasn't, paying for. I wasn't paying for a new central heat and air unit no. or a water heater. No. Or, yeah. If you're broke, don't buy a house. Which goes back to Dave's yeah. point of view. Yeah. 5%. Yeah. If you don't have 5% down, why are you buying a home? Because you're going to have problems that Things come up. Things that come up. Yeah. And do you, you have a little reserve set up, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, anyway, if you have 5%, you can put the 3% down and keep 2% in your pocket and know that you've got some money saved up. Mm-hmm. That was a priceless facial expression because you, you could visually just see you biting your tongue because you wanted to go off on that tangent, get it back in your soapbox. You're like, ah, no. No, I've already preached that enough. Yeah. <laughs> People are tired of hearing it, I'm sure. So what else you want to know between conventional and FHA? Well, I think you've hit really the high points. I mean, the high points are, like you said, if you can hit the bullseye with the good credit and the good income, then conventional is probably going to be your best bet. Even if it's easier for your lender to do the FHA loan and he may be lazy and just throw you in an FHA because it's easier. Yeah, let me let me interject this piece here, too, because what you as a listener or consumer deem your credit to be as not good or good, we've yeah. covered that before on the show. You, you, with all due respect, you probably don't know, because yeah. I can't tell you how many times people have come to us saying, our credit sucks, my credit's this, my credit's that. And they don't know. Yeah, and it's spotless. Yeah. yeah. Check yeah. it. It's yeah. spotless, it's perfect, and it's like, okay, you fit the red bullseye, and yeah. you're sitting here thinking your credit sucks. Yeah. Now, I, well, you know, and I've, I actually had that early on when I was selling homes. I had a really nice couple come in. But they were undereducated, mm-hmm. and they said, "Oh, we know we don't have credit good enough to buy a house." I'm like, "What makes you say that?" Well, when we bought a car, the guy told us our credit was terrible, and it was 22 percent. And I and I was like, "Oh, okay." You know, I kind of kind of took it like they did. You know, okay, well, I guess he said so. So I said, "But look, just do me a favor, just call this lender and get pre-approved." The guy come, calls me back, and at the time, you know, they had like a 720 credit score. Jeez. And the and the guy who sold them the car was pointing to this one late payment that they had that was like eight years before. And, oh, I've got to charge you twenty two percent because lenders for cars. I was about to say, clarify. Pay <laughs> dealers backdoor money on a car. Yeah, I'm probably telling secrets. I'm not supposed to tell. Whereas home sellers. Capital Homes, for example, we refer everybody to, to Waterstone. I don't get any money. As a matter of fact, it's illegal for me to get money on the back yeah, door. Right. Yep. But it's not illegal for car dealers to get money on the back side. How messed up is that? Yeah. And so the deal is because the dealers are selling the loans for the cars, they make as much money on the loans as they do on the cars sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so the, when they can make excuses to get you 22%, they do. And and this guy did. And they, they thought they had terrible credit. I think that's where a lot of people think, oh, I got bad credit because... Because mm-hmm. I bought a car. Somebody told them that somewhere. And I had to pay sixteen percent because I have bad credit. Or maybe they applied for a credit card and they got turned down. And maybe the credit card they're applying mm-hmm. for is like you have to be pristine and you're like five points below. And it's literally the the algorithms are set up to where you either hit that number yeah. or you don't. 
Whereas yeah. with a mortgage, we can look at it and figure out where your best loan option is. Or, or credit cards will deny you for not borrowing enough money. You know what? At 22%, you, you might want to buy it on your credit card. It's probably cheaper. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> true, too. God. Yeah, that was, yeah, that good. got killed. Those poor people. As long as you put down your 35%. We refinanced yeah. them on both of their cars and got them a house. It probably helped Rock them out significantly. Changed their lives. Yeah. Changed their lives. How much did their car payments drop? Uh, almost a third of what they were. Wow. And then they're buying. How much yeah, was a house yeah, payment? Yeah, we changed their lives. Yeah, it, it, we, uh, it was Changing almost twenty lives. years ago. <laughs> but it, it's one of those stories that makes me really glad to be what I do. What I do. Exactly. Oh yeah, it was really I have those moments. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We are out of time. Jimmy is playing our get out the door music in our headphones. But go to moneymanmike.net or out on Facebook, Money Man Mike Radio to hook up with any of us, find our contact information, and have a great day. We're out.